Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. What's good, revolutionaries? <laughs> I ask you that every week. Like, what's good with you? And that's me asking, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you? Like, where are you in this space right now? Like, what's good? And I call you revolutionary because that is exactly who you are. If you're sitting here listening to this show, I believe in you. And you believe in you. You are revolutionary. You're thinking about how to transform your life. You're thinking about how to transform your community, right? You are thinking about the world at large and how to make it a better place. And that's what this show is about, revolutionary people doing revolutionary things. So I am grateful that you are joining me and always with my guests, right, and their stories of revolution on their own. So always remember when I ask you what's good, revolutionaries, you're thinking like, yeah, yeah, let me tell him. Let me let him know what's good with me. And so you can always reach out on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, What's Your Revolution. Check us out, man. Shout us out. Let me know what's good with you, revolutionaries. I hope all is well during this era of COVID. You know, it's interesting to think about, you know, we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about Ahmad Aubrey and now the case in Minnesota. And then this brother filming this woman who called the police on him because she was afraid in the ramble in New York City because he was a bird watcher and he didn't want his dog to rustle the birds. What are we doing? <laughs> you know, and then one of my friends who is on the other side of the aisle posted a picture of a white looking Snoop Dogg. And the, the caption was, this is what Snoop Dogg would look like if he didn't vote for Biden. And so interestingly enough, I said, it's wonder that your, your caption is this and not the police brutality that we're seeing in our country. And so... I am hoping that we all have the ability to have these, how do I want to say, intense but yet cordial dialogues about race in our country because they have to happen. There are things going on. There are things going on in our country that we need to talk about. And if you're worried about whether you're black or not because you worry because Joe Biden said that, that's the least of our worries right now. Right. That is the least of our worries. We have to have someone who is going to galvanize our country and bring us back. That is the conversations that we need to have because too many atrocities are happening because of COVID and because of race and because of gender and because of sexual orientation, all these different things. So where are you? Right. Where are you? What kind of conversations are you having with your people? Right. With your family members, with your friends. Right. What kind of conversations are you having with you? Because if you're mad, as my boy Dr. Maurice Schultz says, if you're mad about how black people are being treated and you treat people, marginalized people, if you treat marginalized people differently, right, you're, the, you're part of the problem. For my LGBTQIA folks, we are with you here at What's Your Revolution. We stand with you and beside you, behind you, and even in front of you. You just let us know where we need to stand. And so today I'm always, right, I say this every week, but I'm always anxious, right? And happy and like overjoyed because I get to bring people who are doing amazing things in the world on my show. And I've been knowing this brother since early 2000s, since he was a college, he was a college student, right? And I was formulating a team of, we're going to call them revolutionaries back then, a team of young men who would lead other young men down a pathway of greatness. And this is brother, this is my man, brother Jamal Crowder, poet laureate, poet extraordinaire, right? My man who helped me build the JMU Mail Academy back in the early 2000s, and we impacted so many lives. Jamal, what's up, brother? How you doing? Doing well, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm always trying to push the envelope a little bit. Sometimes I get a little hype. <laughs> no, I mean, I understand that. I just, there's so many people that are hurting right now. It is incredible the amount of hurt that exists right now in this country and around the world, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. There's too much pain, and there's too much pain. And so, you know, my, my white friends who are listening, we understand that pain exists all across the spectrum. And so when people in all of our communities are hurting, we are hurting with you. But we want to bring everyone along in the journey. We have to be having these conversations. You know, 10 years from now, five years from now, next week, I hope that we can change the narrative that's happening in our country. We are too divisive. And so that's why I keep saying we need to bring somebody into office that's going to galvanize us. But it's also, we can't expect one person to change that. It's, all, it's up to all of us. Jamal, I'm happy, man. 
What's been going on with you? We have not, I haven't seen that face of yours. I wish y'all could see this brother. He is like, he is like straight slum village <laughs> right now, you know? Hey, yeah. What's slum up? village is everything. Yeah. It's yeah. everything, please. Yeah. No, tell me what's been going on. It's been a long time since we spoke, brother. Yeah. I'm actually doing some, uh, some real introspective, some real reflection right now, man. I think um, for a long period of time, I chose to deal with, matters in my life that I didn't want to admit to myself were, you know, pertinent things for me to pay attention to. So I tried many different methods of just like moving around and trying to just like ignore the fact that I was dealing with some things that I didn't want anybody else to know about. Mm. I'm saying so I was hurt. I was doing a lot of hurt and for a long period of my time in my life I just was like just moving without dealing with it. Right. Oh, so I'm just I'm dealing with it. And I'm being more still than I used to be. Mm. So I'm, I'm in a I'm in a spiritual and just you know emotional growth space right now. Yeah, unpack that for me, Jay. You know, you talk about we run away from our problems. We you know, as men, right? And then we're going to drive down to even as black men, we can find alternative methods to cope with our issues, right? You know, we, yeah. we, oftentimes if I hear Dr. Jeff Gardier talk, we like to womanize ourselves, right? Or, or manize ourselves out of issues, right? And that, that, that coping mechanism is horrible, right? Yeah. I'm going to just lose myself and somebody else, right? And what we often do is we often transfer that pain that we're going through to them. And then ultimately we're the bad person because we didn't stop, you know, so you talked about being still. What does that look like for you? And how has that transformed your ability to handle the stressors and pain that you were experiencing? Well, I think one of the key things you said was I was manizing myself in a, a very unhealthy way. I think there was so much just that I was unhappy with about myself that I would try to fix it with dealing with women who I believe were the key to me finding happiness. Mm. Right. And and so many different relationships that I've been in, been through, gotten over, had to break up from. I um I had some really real difficult times understanding why it didn't work out until now. I in a relationship now, I haven't desired one to sustain my happiness because I'm I'm happier with me, myself, who I am, in a way that I haven't been for years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So Ooh, hold I mean, on. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, hold on. So simply what you're saying is that being still means for you is that unlike many men, you're not pursuing what we've always been taught to pursue, right? Yeah. 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 Like standing still. I'm not running after the, I even say this, the coveted prize, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that that coveted prize, whether it's a relationship, whether it's 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 booty or whatever it is. And it's interesting when I hear men say that because there's a, it's a small population of men that actually will sit still, right? That will sit still because in that stillness, tell me if I'm wrong, Jay, is that you really get to see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What has that been like for you to really see you? It's it's been ugly. It's been terrifying. It's been cleansing and it's been honest. You know what I mean? I think so many times I'll speak from the eye because I can't speak for anyone else. Yeah. I ran from myself for so many years. Like I just I just ran from me because I was scared to unpack the things that, you know, were essential to the reasons why I weren't as happy as I wanted to be. I just kept running from it. And then when there was nothing else for me to do besides just look in the mirror and just take an honest look at myself and reflect, it's been the happiest I've been in a really long time, man. Because I'm understanding things about myself that I didn't before. And the clarity that it's providing in, it's allowing me to move in ways that I didn't before. It's suit things I wouldn't do before because I'm loving me more than I have ever loved myself before. Man, that is a blessing. So you, the question that I want to ask you, like, what did you see? You got still, brother. You started yeah. looking in the mirror. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. What did you see? Because I'm going to tell you what I saw when I, got, when I sat still. Okay. So I think I've been around... It's, it's been around, what, a good maybe year since I really started looking at myself and saying, I'm not making the move I need to make. And it's been about a good, like, four months since I've been still with, like, no distractions. And I had a conversation with some of my good friends. And one of my really good friends, we were talking about his relationship. 
And uh, it was all laughing and all jokes until he said one thing that really just stuck out to me was the fact that he said that every relationship he's ever been in, every woman he's ever dated has come out better once they broke up. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So hear me out, though. They were better. And when he said better, he meant because no matter how the relationship ended, his desire was to pour as much of himself into his relationship to allow the person he was with to be whomever they wanted and desired to be, despite what he wanted for himself. Mm. I was like, okay, that's that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but even more so, it was the fact that he said that he allowed people that he was with to unveil who they actually truly wanted to be and pursue that. Whether it meant that they stayed with him or not, he allowed these people to see these things within himself. I look back at my relationships and I can't say that I've ever been with a woman who I didn't help see them or realize their potential. I don't think I did that. I was really yeah. selfish. My relationship. Mm. Wow. Wow. Because now you got me thinking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now you got me thinking. And I never, I never, you know, I've never done this. And she probably will be mad at me for doing this, but I've never done this. But like the greatest woman other than my mother, right? Other than my mother is Shauna Gentry. And the, you know, the woman that I gave my heart to and the woman that gave her heart to me that I was engaged to. And in looking back at what you're saying is that at no point that I say or do or my actions allow her to be the fullest, best version of herself. All I did was ever beat that figuratively out of her, right? Did not like I wanted you to I wanted her to dress a certain way, to talk a certain way, to work out a certain way, to have this image of this is what we could be as a couple. And that's selfish. It's tremendously selfish. And and for her part, what do you think she did, Jamal? She ate it. She kept yeah. it until she couldn't take it anymore. She she ate it and she just did, right? I remember you know, this this is not the way that I thought this show was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, like, the day that we had to divvy up, you know, it was like the the day of the divorce, right? The day that we divvied up all of our stuff. And I remember, I re- like, flashed back to our first date when she had on, like, this, this green Henley and these, some older Air Force Ones. Let's put it that way, right? Mm-hmm. And then that day she came to the house to divvy up all the stuff. She looked like a supermodel, literally like a supermodel. And I was like, what the hell? And I realized that I was like, this is what you've created. And I really don't know if this is the good thing because is this what she wanted to, to, to be? Mm-hmm. And so mm, thank you for that. Thank you for that, for allowing me to get that out because we do do that selfishly. And so that's what, that's what you saw. That's what you saw in yourself. So you yeah. had, to, yeah, I, thank you. Thank you for that. What else did you see by being still? What else have you seen about yourself? I've seen that I'm someone who I didn't love myself as as people would have thought I did based upon what I was writing. So I would unfairly, maybe unconsciously portray myself to be someone who had it all together. And I, I really didn't. I had nothing figured out. I just knew how to use words to convey what I wanted to say. And because of that perception, there was this idea that I just had things figured out. I was all together. And I'm like, ah. I'm, I am far from, you know, the mold. I'm just somebody who was able to speak about what I can see or what I can, you know, fantasize about, even fetishize about in a way that's, you know, eclectic. But I'm not well to do. I have a lot to figure out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and let's, let's open this up a little bit. Jamal Crowder, as I said at the beginning of the show, is Port Lord, Port Extraordinaire. And this is how our relationship grew. So the JMU Male Academy was started by Byron Bullock back in 1997. It was an opportunity for young men of color to come to James Madison University to spend three weeks like learning, loving, socializing with each other. And I was fortunate to take over the program in 2001. And as I said, I was building a program. And I wanted to have some of the strongest men on campus, right, to be a part of this program. So Jamal Anthony, Chad Franklin, Jamal Crowder were the staples. Martin Izpazua were the staples of this group. And we stayed together for a long time. And part of Jamal's lore, Jamal Crowder's lore, was that he was the poet. He would write and spit, right, to our young men, right, to get them in interested and, like, lure them in with his poetry and his writing. And so as he's saying, he's saying that even though you're writing this beautiful 
prose year after year after year. Go get his book. What's the name of the book? 2015. Oh man, I, have, I don't know how many I have, but this like four or five, man. Oh, but the one that came out, I, I want to say it's on. I saw it today. It's on Amazon. It's love poems. Okay, yeah. So that one was uh, one that I was definitely just super, super reflective in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to talk about some stuff. I, I'm not mad. So, look, Google Jamal Crowder and you'll be able to see his book on Amazon, Love Poems. He's got three little kids he's talking about. It's something I'm yeah, talking about. My baby's on the front. Yeah. yeah. My baby. Yeah. yeah. And so what you just said, Jamal, was was that even though you're writing this beautiful prose, right, you're on stage, you know, killing it, you know, from a, a poetry standpoint. It's not really what I want to say. There's some underlying things going on. And you're seeing, you're seeing that. And that's the beautiful thing of being still and finding that space that you can really be reflective. You know, let's move on for a bit, Jamal. You think about this, right? And you know that your ability to, to write and influence people. And so my listeners have been waiting for this question. So, Jamal, what's your revolution? Loving me. Like, loving me. Seriously, like, I've spent so many years afraid of loving myself that I haven't reached my full potential yet. I'm nowhere near where I, I know I can be, but I'm just starting to love myself in a way that it's not problematic for me to be accepting of the good things about myself or at least the great things that I believe I have within me. Yeah, yeah. A long time to get to this place though. Brother, let me, let me tell you that <laughs> loving you, loving yourself is probably the greatest revolution of them all. And I know that sounds cliche, but... That's where it is. So we're going to unpack that. Loving you. If that's if that is the end goal and I don't of your revolution and that is making it too simplistic. How do you get to that revolution of loving you? For me, it took me about what 36 years to understand that I didn't have to define myself through somebody else. I didn't have to define myself through possessions and have to define myself through other people's perceptions. I don't have to define myself through what the world expects of me. I only define myself through the things that I know I'm capable of doing, what I'm in control of, what I desire to pursue. And if my kids let me at the end of the day, nothing else matters. <laughs> I chuckle because it's, it's, it seems unattainable to some. You know what I'm saying? But It's not. You, it's I, not. Th there you go, right? It's, it's, it's not. It, it seems unattainable to some, but... If you begin to choose you, right, exactly. and you begin to define yourself just on you, I don't need the fancy cars. I don't need all of the accolades. I just need the you know, simple lives. Like, as you said, at the end of this, loving me and if my children love me, right? And your children can't love you if you don't love yourself because that exactly. means you won't have the ability to pour into them. And so I'm asking you, revolutionaries, how many of you all are loving yourself? Loving yourself, even in this time of COVID, even this time of, you know, racial unrest, when, how are you still loving yourself? Making time to be still, to be peaceful, brother. Oh, loving yourself. I wrote on my birthday post that I said I was going to allow myself to be great. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's interesting because it goes back to this conversation, Jay, is that people will think these things about me. Like he's got this podcast. He's the director of this very well-known accelerator for women and entrepreneurs of color. He, he speaks all over the country. You know, he's got this crazy question of what's a revolution. But underneath it all, there's still so much work, right? And one of those things was I haven't been allowing myself to be great, right? I have been worried about what others were saying, right? Or mm -hmm. acquiescing or cowering when I needed to stand tall to say, even with some hubris, don't you know who the I am? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I've I've done that and I said I can't do it anymore. I'm um you know I can't do that anymore. And that begins with what you just said, the revolution of loving me. Of loving me. You are spitting the knowledge, brother. <laughs> that is why I love this and that's why we have this show. So you you talk about loving you and when did you realize that you weren't loving yourself? What was that that moment? Was it or was there, as we say, a watershed moment where you realize I'm really not loving me? I think the moment when it just really hit the fan for me, I was dealing with a woman who, you know, I was really like devoted to, but I was just messing up, just like across the board. Like I cared, had love, everything was supposed to be what I thought it was supposed to be, 
but it wasn't hitting on all cylinders. And I got a final argument. She said to me, I really do hope that you start loving yourself a little bit more. And I just looked at her like, what you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? And it, it didn't dawn on me the fact that she loved me more than I loved me. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like I'm moving in the wrong space, man. Like, yeah. Oh, if I'm, I'm making a whole lot of things just go, but something's not right. And what wasn't right was the fact that I wasn't in the space I needed to be in for myself. Yeah. Trying to be all these things for everybody else, but I'm not being what I need to be for me. My good friend and chief editor at Black Enterprise, Alfred Edmund Jr., talks about, you know, that he's a recovering people pleaser, you know, a recovering people. And he said that, like, I really had to understand what that meant, that I was going to try to make everybody happy, even when that happiness was outside of my own. Exactly. That I was going to people please, that I was going to make sure that the relationship was still working, even though I might have been unhappy. And that's not loving you. You know, and we're conditioned into that. that. Exactly. And why do you think that we're conditioned for that? Like, I mean, so I can recall you so many different scenarios from my childhood that will tell you that's the reason why. I mean, I was programmed as a kid. The things I used to watch on television that I really revered and loved, no man was actually happy in those scenarios. (laughs) just doing what needed to be done to take care of their families. They would just sacrifice it for everybody else, like the Wonder Years. Wow. Children, you know, you look at Family Matters, you look at any of those like shows that came on television around like what, seven, eight o'clock in the evening from my childhood, Roseanne, like all of these shows were just like, you know, I mean, the Cosby show was different, you know, doing things that was different. He was a doctor, he married to a lawyer. They were black. That was phenomenal. I loved it. You know, that's what that was different. But most of the other ones I saw, there weren't many men that were happy being men. And what I was observing, what was being fed to me. They were just doing what was necessary to take care of their families. They weren't happy, though. Right. Even like my own father. My own father, I would see like, I can remember distinct conversations he was having with my stepmom in the car. And I'm sitting there listening like, dog, like, you can't be happy right now. <laughs> you, you look miserable. Yeah. But he was steadfast in doing what was necessary to make her happy no matter what. He'd be pissed off. I would hear him have these conversations with other people about how pissed off he is, but... He's steadfast and just doing what's necessary. He saw other men in his life do the exact same thing. That's what I saw. And so it, it, it continues to be passed on. And that's what we do as children. We look for models, right? Here comes Dr. Corporal now. Like we look for those models in adolescence, like who we should be like. And our first models of, or our first character, caricatures of what we should be like are our, are our parents, right? And so the role of parenting is so crucial, but we... We don't think about that, that I'm modeling this behavior for my child, particularly as their brain is forming and they're looking for how should I react? I remember <laughs> I remember when Sean and I were together and I remember getting mad about something and like like pissed. And so seeing my mother and father go through the the ferociousness of arguments and then not talk to each other for days on end, like you know, they've been married for 55 years now. They worked through that. But I remember having this big fight with her and then sleeping on the couch for two nights. And her saying, like, are you going to talk to me? I'm like, I got nothing to say to you. Like, you know what I'm saying? She's like, you're not going to come to bed? No, I'm sleeping on the couch. And that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Yeah. That was ridiculous. But that is what I saw, like, growing up. And, like, I'm just going to hold this and I'm going to be mad. And now... You know, as as I've grown as a man, I really don't get mad. You know, I really don't. I, I don't get mad. If I do get mad, often it's like I'm gonna be mad for a couple of minutes, and then I'm gonna let it go. And I'm gonna forget about it because I don't really have time, and I'm hoping to talk through it because you know, as men, we can erupt, mm-hmm. and it's not good. So I need to. I'm trying to release that as quickly as possible. Yeah, we harbor so many feelings and emotions, and then the, the moment when we reached our peak, we just ex- boom, or some some of us implode. You know. Yeah. That, it's it's definitely a healthy thing for men to talk. Yeah, and let it be known. It, it, let it be known. One thing I, you know, with the women that I have dated, you know, since her and and you know, since a, a very toxic relationship, is that conversation and co- conversation and conflict go hand in hand, right? So when there is conflict, you have to have conversation. It has to happen. And if you're not doing this in your relationships, if you're not setting boundaries early on, if you're not talking about how do we handle conflict together, then your relationship is doomed, right? Most people say, well, I, I want to avoid conflict. You can't avoid conflict in a relationship. 
you're two different people and you're trying to meld yourself together. And if, right? and if you can't do that and come out of it, this is not a healthy relationship for you. But how you talk with each other, because that's a part of your love process. I love you, but we're not always going to be in accord. I'm going to do something to piss you off. You're going to do something to piss me off. And how do we work past it? Because it, uh, it ain't always going to be love and rose. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Nah. <laughs> you know, Jay, this is this is just what we do here on the show, man. We just we just open up, man. And I, I truly appreciate it. You know, this this revolution of loving you is what we all need to do. How do you use your poetry, right? How do you use your poetry and your writings to inspire people to begin to love themselves? For many years, when I was in college, when I was just, you know, you know, cutting my teeth, so to speak, just in poetry in general, everybody else was, you know, what I was talking about. I talked about everybody else, what I saw, what people were going through, and my interpretations of those things. Very rarely did I talk about myself. But right now, I think it's, and I say this with a very cautious tongue, right? Because I know some people have a different of opinion, difference of opinion. But right now, it's just that I don't think it's healthy for me to comment about the things that I'm seeing on social media when it comes to different people with regards to us, our Black men being like, you know, terrorized, killed, murdered out here. I don't think my poetry is the correct placement for that at this point in time. Because it's almost self-serving in some, in some respects. When I look at social media, I see a lot of people who are commenting things and they're posting and they're reposting. And it feels self-serving from my perspective to want to be recognized for being aware of the cause. That's what it's there for. If, you, if you're aware of the cause and people know who you are, you don't have to put that out there that I'm aware of what's going on, right? I just don't think that, that for me, and the benefit of where I am, where I'm trying to do my healing, to do my due diligence and understanding what's going on, it's not my place to put out there my thoughts for anyone's consumption. That's not my idea of what I, I can do to help. I can write about it and I am writing about it. I'm just not sharing it right now. I don't want to do that. I don't think that's fair. Even like the things that I'm trying to pursue in terms of business, I'm not selling product right now. People need their money. People need their money for other things other than my products right now. Right. It was super selfish and just putting my things for people's consumption out there in a way that's, you know, self-serving. I don't want to do that. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely understand that. Yeah, it just just has me thinking about how are we using our how we're using our talents and what you're saying is sometimes we need to be quiet. You know, the question that I want to ask you is, but your poetry, right? Understand that you're you know not doing anything for consumption right now. But how does your you know how do you, your words, right? I, I think about your poetry and the the inspiration that it brings. You've even got a pseudonym. Like, how do you say the pseudonym? Jay Taron. Oh, no, nah, that's my middle name. My mom was a little different. So my middle name is Taharan. Taharan. There you go. Remember, I asked her when I was a kid, I said, what's that mean? She said, I made that up. <laughs> what do you mean you made it up? Well, she just made up my name. So, yeah, that's my uh, that's my name on uh, my writing page on social media. And that's where I do on Instagram. I put out my thoughts in terms of writing. Yeah, got, yeah. Something, something new this week. Um, actually, I started last week. This is thing I put out there. It's on my, my other page which is my fitness page. I got goals fitness. Yeah. On Superman traits. Mm, tell me about that before I, re- before yeah. I, re- I read a little bit of this poem. <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying? So Superman traits are the things that make men amazing that some women just won't pay attention to or get significant time to understand why these things are Superman traits. Ooh. All right. Yeah, we got to unpack that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I think there's so many things that happen in terms of just like the world that we live in that the satisfaction gratification of right now is what's premium, right? And what we're focused on, what we want to be given to us is what we're focused on in terms of just like what we're desiring in that moment right then and there. What someone's willing to give us may be amazing, maybe what we absolutely need, but it's not what we want in that moment. So we don't give it the attention it deserves. So I'm talking about right now, Superman traits are things that could possibly be something that's amazing about this person. You've just been overlooking because you're not focused on it. You're not focused on it. The question is, do you illuminate those Superman traits or the person, the right person will see them as Superman traits? The right person will see them as Superman traits. Gotcha. And that means that, you know, some people say that you're on the right vibrational level for you to be able to see those. 
Exactly. And, yeah. Okay. It's an energy thing. Yeah. It's a, you know, and so what are the Superman traits that, and we'll say Superwoman traits because you you have to be able to see those things in her or you know. D- depending whatever the relationship that you're in, right? It could be two Superman traits, Superman seeing each other and, you know, Superwoman seeing each other. And how do we like tune into those vibrations? Like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I I, I see that, right? You, you're paying attention to things that, oh, that are really important to me. Like, how do you care for my, my dog? Or how do you talk to my family? Or how do you talk to your mother, right? Or how do you treat her? You know, how do you treat you know, me as we're out in public, things that, you know, that, that are vibrationally in tune. So that's, so what, what are you reading? Oftentimes as we look to intensify our intellect, like, what are you reading? Like right now I'm reading like how to win friends and influence people. And like, how can you have those, those thought provoking conversations? So that's interesting, brother. Look, as I sit here on your page, man, you know, on Jay Taharan, which I love. It's just, your mom just made it up? Yeah, she said, so she told me the story about my first name. So she told me I wasn't going to have my dad's name because my dad's name is something that we're not going to talk about right now. <laughs> she said it was on her life that I was not going to be a junior. So right. she told me that the story of my name came from the fact that she was a Lakers fan, that she was a really big fan of Jamal Wilkes. Okay, I remember him. Yeah, exactly. So if people don't know who Jamal Wilkes is, he was a basketball player in Cornbread, Earl and Me. Put some put some age on me. So you know, <laughs> Cornbread, Earl and Me. That's where Jamal Wilkes. That's who. That's who that was. Yeah. So I'm named after the Green Eyed Dude. Yeah, I remember him. I, yeah. I definitely remember him. And yeah, I'm really dating myself because he played for the Lakers, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got this Instagram page with Jay Taharan, and I just can't, I can't get past it to Taharan. I really love that, like Taharan. I didn't, I've, I've known you for over 20 years now, and I, I didn't know that, Jay Taharan. But on this page, this is your ability to speak your voice, right? And so I'm looking mm-hmm. at this poem, interesting, I say that, when hearing that voice, right? Yeah. What are you putting on this page? What is the message for people to see, your followers to see, when you put this poetry on this page? So nine times out of ten... I'm speaking about something that's autobiographical. I'm, I'm talking about me, talking about my experiences. I don't like to name names. That's not fair. But there's certain people that I'm speaking about very specifically, about you know things that I've gone through. But it's also the fact that all of us go through the exact same thing, just maybe not the exact same time. We experience all of the same emotions. It's that sometimes we just don't know how to express it. The reason why music feeds us in a way that we can't explain. You know, music can do things to our souls that, it's, it's inexplicable. I think poetry is the exact same way. So for me, I just put out there what I'm feeling, what I'm dealing with, what makes me feel good, what's making me sad. And I'm honest. I think right now, honesty is what I go with. I don't try to force it. I don't try to like make someone appreciate it. I'm just honest with myself. And I write from that space. Yeah. And that's what we, that's what we want. We want to we wanna feel that, brother. So this, this poem I see in here, when hearing that voice... What was this about? What were you what were you thinking about? Right? What was going on that allowed you to write such beautiful prose and then decide I'm a, I'm going to put this out to the masses? Yeah, I heard a voice and after I was speaking to that individual, I just couldn't help it. You know, this is somebody who I don't necessarily desire to name, but was very inspirational in me becoming aware of the things that were wrong with myself. Yeah. Allowed me to see those things and she didn't hold them against me. She allowed me to say to myself that, you know what, I need to grow. And she understood it as much as I did to break her, you know, as much as I did to be selfish in that relationship. She was still understanding of the fact that I wasn't completely running it to be. So it's like as as much as I want to hate somebody, I can't hate this woman. I just can't. You know what I mean? Any of the women that I've had relationships with that I'm like, I'm not on good terms with. That's because I was being selfish, man. I was just looking at them for like feeding my spirit. I wasn't feeding them. I wasn't yeah. feeding was pouring so much into me, I wasn't filling them back up. So I'm like, I'm just grateful for the fact that she's even willing to like have dialogue with me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, seriously. Yeah, man, look, the, there's no empathy in this. This is a straight sympathy, dear brother. I can't believe it. I've never talked about Sean on this show in three years. I've never talked about it. And everything that you're talking about reminds me of the relationship that I have with this woman now. There, There's no reason in the world that this woman should ever talk to me, ever. But out of the kindness and goodness and the sheer decency of a woman that she is, right, she will she will always be 100 times greater than the man 
a person that I will ever be because of who she is. And, you know, the ability for her, for us to laugh, right? And that's why I'm looking at this poem. You know, like you're saying, there's so much validation in hearing you laugh as it translates to me that somehow something I said reminded you of a time when things were best between us. That is so symbolic because it makes me think back that the laughter that we have at each other, that we can pour in, still pour into each other and laugh and reminisce at the good times. And she went through a very traumatic event early in this year. Like, had to have a liver transplant, Jamal. Like, mm. like mm. woke up one day and her liver failed. And, wow. Yeah, wow. And, and had to have a liver transplant. And, like, just being able to be with her and her family and, you know, her current boyfriend, Daniel, and to be a part of that process, you know, to be able to help them, you know, as she was, you know, close to death and to be invited to be with her and them just meant so much because... We could be mortal enemies if, if mm-hmm. you know, mortal enemies. But I love that, that validation and hearing you laugh as it translates to me that somehow something I said reminded you of a time when things were best between us. Or at least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> I love that. But I think when we begin to love ourselves and we have the ability, uh, let me pull back on and say, when people have the skill set that you have, and not people, many people in the world have the skill set that Jay Teheran <laughs> Crowder has, the ability to be creative with prose and to incite thought and to incite care and you know introspection with what you do. I think that is the, the roadmap, dear brother. You're giving people the roadmap to allow themselves to see themselves for who they are. And it is a blessing. Like, you've always had that. And it is a blessing to know that you're still putting that prose out there that inspires people to think better about their journey. Or at least be more like, ooh, wait a minute. Ooh, Jamal. Like, yo, like you're hitting on something. So yeah, you're schooling me today to make me think about my actions as a man in relationships more so than I have in a long time. I don't know if I like that, Jamal. <laughs> hey, the funny thing is, I don't know if you recall this, but whenever we would have powwows as a staff, as a male academy staff, whenever we just sit and talk, I would always make you think about something, man. I was yeah. always nugget out to make you think about something, even as a young boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, make you make you reflect a little bit. I was, look, in, in speaking of the Academy, I tried my best to get some other guests to just pop in on the show. But as we talked about earlier, all of them got kids and jobs and, <laughs> and wives and girlfriends and nobody could make it. But I did reach out because I wanted to surprise you because I wanted to talk about, like, as you said, the Male Academy was not just for the boys that we brought in, Right. We worked 24 hours a day for three weeks with them, giving them life lessons, camaraderie, all types of stuff. But there were quiet moments when it was just the staff, Mm -hmm. right? There were quiet moments when it was just... And those are some of the best moments of my life, Jamal. Like when it was just us playing ping pong down in the basement of whatever hall that we were in, when it was just us talking, and I remember, you're going to remember this, right? Because I think you were there. We were outside Bell, right? And mm-hmm. we, and Martin made the makeshift grill. Oh, whoa. Do you remember that? Wait, I don't I don't know if I was there for the makeshift grill. Uh, Marvin, uh, makeshift Mar- grill. Martin made the makeshift grill. We were, <laughs> we, were out, we were outside of Bell Hall, right? And Mar- Marvin made the, the makeshift grill. We were cooking hot dogs and hamburgers or some coal like and a a grate that he found. That's how we ate. Oh that's, my god! That is how. We, <laughs> that is exactly how we ate that day. Those hot dogs were good, but the conversation was so rich. And I want to say that Ben was there. I was there. I thought you were there. Martin was there. Chad was there. But it was those moments that I was able to grow as a man, even though I was what you know, thirteen, fourteen years older than you all at the at the time. We were able to talk about some things that were revolutionary at the time because men weren't talking about that. We talked about our vulnerabilities. We talked about our inconsistencies. We talked about our dreams, our hopes, our goals, everything. We had conflict because I remember Jamal Anthony was like, he was ready to quit. I was like, see, now I've got you where I want you. This is the time where I need you to learn. Like you're mad, right? Mm -hmm. But that's where I want you to be. I want you to be mad for a second because now 
when you calm down, you're going to see everything that I've been trying to teach. And if you remember the thing I would say to you, don't come to me with the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> come to me with the solution. Man, we hated that. <laughs> like the thing is, though, we didn't. So I didn't understand at the time how much of a man you were in front of us. The way that you were programming us to think, we didn't appreciate at the time. Like it was always about, I don't necessarily want to hear about the pain. Show me what needs to happen to get to the point where we can be successful and move forward. Right. It takes a lot of thought, introspection, and us putting aside our emotions to process. At that point in time, nobody wanted to hear that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I just no, to ask no, I just want to, right. And that, that was the thing, is I wanted you all to, to step up. And not that you weren't stepping up already, but to really think through as a leader, as, as a leader of men, right, and as a leader of people. I am always going to be challenged with the emotion of the problem because that's that's how we've been programmed. Like there's stuff that's going to happen and the emotion of it is going to potentially take its toll. But if you can sidestep that emotion and think through how do I, even though the emotion is happening, how do I solve this problem? You're going to be greater, right? Mm-hmm. We're not saying don't experience the emotion all the way through. I want you to do that, but I want you to be thinking about what's the solution as well. Because we had to show them. We had 40 boys who were looking at us like, what are the solutions for the things that we're going to face? And that those were some of the, like, literally some of the best times of my, life, of my life. I miss those times. I miss those three weeks with our boys. I miss those three weeks with y'all. It was just fun. And I remember our staff meetings where we would, you know, spend time with the day and then we would dole out. We would come back together to play ball, the camaraderie. Man, we talk so much oh, trash. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't a good basketball player, man. I but. I watched because yeah, I was playing football. Y'all can keep basketball. Do your thing. I play football over there. Whenever I'm to play flag football, invite me. Yeah. Let me give this brother the roses that he deserves. So JMU has James Madison, our alma mater, two-time national champion. Have been to the national championship game four times now, right? Three times. Yes. Four. Are you talking about the school? Yeah, the school has been to the I think national championship. I think we've been in four national championship yeah, games. Yeah, four national championship games. And so they ranked the greatest players, right, by – positions they rank mm-hmm. right and jamie's been around they rank the greatest players by position and jamal was ranked one of the greatest offensive linemen in jamie's history is that correct no nah, that's not exactly correct. oh okay i won't even i won't even take that credit i was given honorable mention okay one All of right. the best ones yeah, honorable, but, mention. Uh, honorable mention but still you know honorable mention to you know, a long storied history of JMU and, and its football team. Because remember, when I was in school in the nineties. We sucked. <laughs> <laughs> there was we were we were far from a national championship, Jabal. I mean, far. So I had, y'all had good basketball teams. Yeah, like, we did. Had you know, coaches. yeah, lefty. Lefty would take us to a twenty and yeah. 10, 19 and nine season, something like that. But yeah. you know, to be spoken with some of the greats of James Madison University, not only poor, like an English major. Right? You, you do you correlate English major with like great offensive linemen? I don't know. Like poet laureate, dude is just spitting love poems. I remember, and we're gonna get to the next subject in a second. Revolutionaries, but I remember when we worked together, JMU. You were in love, bro. Like you were yeah. in love, your your yeah. queen. Like you were, like you were all about her. Like, and we actually envied that because all of us at the time were like, yo, I want to love like that. Right, because you were all about her, and I remember meeting her. I was like, "Do you know how much this man is into you?" It was, it was crazy. So those were some good times, and I wanted to make sure we talked about the the academy and what it meant to us. What did it? You know, I, I talked about more about me. What did it mean for you to spend time with the faculty, the staff, and the boys during that period of time? So I think I've never, even to this day, I don't consider myself to be like somebody who has all of the tools, all of the answers. But I enjoy helping people. I enjoy helping people in any, excuse me, any capacity that I can. So right now as a teacher, I can't see me doing anything else professionally. Like I enjoy working with young people. That's why that's my passion. You know, whether it's in the classroom, teaching English, ethics, creative writing, or in the gym doing fitness, I love helping people. So at the Mail Academy, that was one of the very first experiences I had when I was given the keys to direct the lives of these young people. And it was just like, what are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? But we had to figure it out because you weren't going to tell us what to do. So <laughs> we had to figure it out. And the thing was that I can appreciate so much now reflecting on the fact that you gave us so much freedom in establishing what we believe to be best for these young boys based on what we saw in our own lives 
and wanted to pour it back into them based upon what we weren't getting. So that was amazing. Yeah. Like, wish it was around. I want to go back and do I know, I know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, wishful thinking is only wishful thinking, but I'm serious about that. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I it miss exists. it so I miss it so much. I would look forward to like being in the mountains, Jamal. And I remember I would leave y'all right after dinner time and let y'all do your thing. And I would go up, I would go up to the science building and, and sit on um, one of the hills and watch the sunset every day just and listen to Miles Davis. That was my respite. And then come back down and, and be a part of the nightly activities. We did some work, bruh. Yeah. We, we did some work. We yeah. changed, we changed, look, I, I, look, I'm dusting my shoulder off a little bit because we did some work for, a long time, we really changed some boys' lives, and it changed us. You know, you think about that we haven't been together since maybe 04, 05. Mm-hmm. 15 years later, we're still talking. We're still, like, rooting for each other. And I miss that time, you know, that camaraderie. The older you get, man, it, it, it shifts. So relish in this time in your 30s when you can hang out with your boys and the responsibilities are a little bit lighter. You know, Martin has a child. Chad has a child. Jamal just got married. It's different. You've been married. You have three kids, and it changes. You know, unfortunately, your mentor uh, <laughs> never got married and doesn't have any kids. But, that's but a- so the thing is, is like when you say unfortunately, that is not the space of which I'm in. When I look at you, brother, nah. I feel and say that this gentleman is doing what he wants to do with his life on his terms. Not saying that you have relationship is going to change that, but the fact that you're doing what you want to do on your terms and you're affecting people in a major way. I commend you for that. And I appreciate that, brother. I see that comes with the fact that you're not doing something based on what someone's perception or what society says you should be doing. I'm like, you are doing your thing. You are in a good space right now. You are shedding light upon things that other people need to be aware of. And you're doing it from a genuine space. Brother, I'm proud of you. Man, thank you. Hashtag gratitude, brother. I appreciate that. And coming from you, somebody I've always admired, just, you know, who could walk into a room and space and make everyone feel at ease, like, you know, to make us laugh, to to be our brother, you know. So gratitude to you. Look, we're going to begin to close out. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is your brand. And, you know, you know, we didn't even talk about this in the green room, but your brand. And I really want to know, what is flight school? Okay. So um, flight school is something that came out of just years of me just playing around with ideas. So I think um, for the longest time I've been creative, like when I was a kid, I used to design sneakers. I used to draw sneakers on line paper because that was the easiest way for me to line things up, symmetry and everything. So I used to draw and design sneakers on paper. And I fell in love with drawing, but I had a cousin who lived with me who was way better than I was. <laughs> so we would like have little contests and he just would like blow me out the water. So I kind of gave up writing and pursued like, you know, Taekwondo. <laughs> <laughs> You keep writing, I'm going to do this over here. But, um, you know, just throughout the, you know, the course of my life, I've always been attracted to just like artistic expression. Mm-hmm. Or whether it be paintings, whether it be sculptures, whether it be just fashion, whether it be just music. Expression is something that's always just been in me. And I've been apprehensive for so much of my life because I'm somebody who's larger than everybody else. Whether it be just, you know, I'm 6'4", and I played ball, I was 300 plus. You know what I'm saying? So being a larger person, it wouldn't, I didn't feel that I was able to express myself via my clothing in the way that I wanted to. Right. A stuff didn't fit me. <laughs> and the other thing is, is just that, you know, I didn't have the money to do so. So now I'm in a space where I'm like, I want to be able to create not for a specific aesthetic, but just for the fact that I want to create a line that's a lifestyle line that anybody who's dope, whether it be because of who you want to be, who you aspire to be, who you are, your gifts, your passions. That's for you. I love it. I love it. I remember seeing it and I was like, yo, like just even the the, the font and just, just the way that how you introduced it, like flight school, like your ability to take off, right? And how you're promoting that. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. <laughs> I am loving yeah. flight school, man. So congratulations on that, brother. And if there's any way that I can support you, right, as you, you know, as you're building out this brand around flight school, please, please let me know, you know. What you can do is you can text me your address and your t-shirt size, and I'm going to send you a t-shirt. Man, can. we can do a t-shirt trade. I got a, I got, <laughs> I got a What's Your Revolution shirt for you. I'm with so, that too. Yeah, we can I'm with that. that, brother. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely, we can definitely do that. I'll be happy to support you, brother, you know. Definitely. 
The one thing that I ask at the end of the show, Jamal, is the show is for men and the people who love them where we find and we're helping them find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. What are you doing, right, to find and embrace the healthiest version of yourself? So one thing that I'm doing is something that I've denied forever. I didn't think it was necessary. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was unbecoming. But I'm seeing a therapist. Yeah. Tell that seeing story. a therapist. Yeah. I am I am happy. And I'm unashamed to say I'm seeing a therapist. Yes. yes. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's working. And it's working. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. I can I can look at myself and be happy. You know what I mean? Like, of course, no one is in a space where they're 100% happy with everything about their life. No one is. That's just the nature of, you know, wanting to be the best you could possibly be. However, I am the happiest with myself that I've ever been in my entire existence. I'm happiest right now. I love that. Therapy. You heard that, Revolutionaries, right? Go to see a therapist. And I love my therapist. Al, sit home. I hope you listen to this show. You are my therapist. He's kept me going. The one thing about therapy, Jamal, is that you've got to go in willing to see, like, like rip the rip off the bandages. Not the Band-Aid, the bandages, yeah. right? And, and unravel see your, it all. Unravel it all. Like, unmummify yourself because you've been, we've been bandaging ourselves our entire lives. And then be receptive to feedback and then go home and do the work. That's the thing about therapy. Because people will say, I'm in therapy. But there's work. I, I mean, there is work. And if you don't do the work, you're just wasting your money. But for you to say that you're happy, guess what? You're doing the work. Sir. Yeah, brothers. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you putting that out there. like, And that, and that you said you were reticent. And many of us, many of our men are reticent. I don't need therapy. I don't need that. Let me, mm. go, let me go womanize this or manize myself out of this. You know what I'm saying? Jamal, this has been great, man. This has been a wonderful experience for me, uh, and that's selfish, but I hope I hope it has been an amazing experience for you. No, I can appreciate this in such a major way. I know I um previously I wouldn't share information about things that I'm doing with other people, but people are like yo, whenever it's on, let me know, man. Share share the link, and I'm like, yeah, no problem. But yeah. you, I just wouldn't talk about things. I was so apprehensive about sharing me with everybody else, but. I'm happy now, and I'm thankful for this opportunity, brother. I really am. Man, you are a light, Jay Teheran, all right? You are a light. And so for all my revolutionaries, as you're going looking for his poetry, right, uh, I'll make sure I put the link to his uh, his books. Follow him on Instagram, Jay Teheran, so you can make sure you can see his writings. I Got Goals Fitness, if I'm correct, his other Instagram account where he's he's doing his fitness thing. He actually is a fitness instructor, too. You know, where he's promoting, like, hey, how do you get healthy? He said he was 300 pounds when he was playing ball. He's slim and svelte now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, if you see him right now, he's looking like, he's looking like an album cover. He's looking like an old, light-skinned Marvin Gaye right now. That's what you're looking oh, like. Oh, man. <laughs> man, light-skinned yeah. Marvin Gaye. Yeah, the hat. He's got his he got on. I can't tell. I got my filter on. Either the hat is orange or red or whatever it is. Oh, this see. is fuchsia, brother. Get it correct. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't see it. I can't. <laughs> But make sure you go check him out. Jamal Crowder, my friend, poet laureate, right? Jay Taharan, poet. I got goals. Fitness, my man, will give you a fitness workout. Flight school, right? His new brand to make sure that people have the ability to take off, right? And fulfill their dreams. It is an honor. It is a blessing to call you friend. It's good to see you again, dear brother. And I wish you well. You as well, brother. Thank you so much. No worries. To all my revolutionaries, we ask that you... Continue to look for the answer to the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution, everyone? We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Peace.